Okay, good morning. We're going to continue with Mirza Hashem with our Chavis uh, Talmidim. We're finishing up the Mirza Hashem Perek, Perek, the ninth Perek, Perek Tshi, where he's giving us Aces how to be, how to be Miss Allah Aramidis and to fix ourselves. So, what he spoke about last time was a, a tremendous, tremendous Aitza that he was giving us, and he was talking about specific about the Midah of Kas, but he said it's really an Aitza which is Nagea to every Midah. And that was, he gave us a two part Aitza that had to overcome the example we we're fighting with the Midah of Kas. The first thing is, before we get involved in the Misa of getting angry, before we find ourselves challenged by situations where are going to get us angry, we need to work on understanding why anger is bad for us, why we're not happy when we get angry, why we don't feel good after we get angry, why when we get angry, it ends up leading to bad repercussions, to really be able to be misbeinen and to put it into part of our subconscious, the feeling and the recognition of the fact that I do not want to get angry. Getting angry is not gonna, is not gonna lead towards good things, Getting angry doesn't lead towards the results that I want out of the conversation. Getting angry is when I really put that into my subconscious, when I really recognize that, that this is not, go, this is not what I want, it's that much easier when I get involved in the actual Nisayan to be able to overcome it. It's very difficult when you're in the Nisayan to just say, okay, I don't want to get angry. I should stop now in the middle of screaming at the guy and everything will be fine. It's very difficult, if not almost impossible, to be able to stop yourself in the Nisayan. The Eitzah is, before you get involved in the Nisayan, before you find yourself in a challenging situation, figure out and decide and, and recognize with logic why you don't want that, why you, wh- wh- why you want to get out of it. And Mamela, once you do that, and once you put in the proper thought before you get into the place in the Nisayan, you'll be able to hold yourself back that much easier. The second thing he gave, which is a Pashta Eitzah also, was that when you're involved in an Nisayan, if you try to fight the Nisayan head on, you're always going to lose the battle. If a person's angry and a person tells himself, don't get angry, it's not gonna work, a person's still gonna be angry, why? Because when a person is angry, it's a rachtos. And this goes like this with every, every aver that a person's doing, every Nisayan a person's dealing with, the Gemara says that and therefore when you're involved in doing an Avera there's a certain level of craziness that you're involved in so a person wants to look at something they shouldn't be looking at that's a Rakhstos so if you try to go and say don't look, don't look and you're fighting the Nisayan head on you're always going to lose because you can't fight a crazy person yeah, so when you're involved in an Avera, you're, you're, you're to that aspect of that Avera, you're a crazy person. And if you try to fight it head on, you're going to lose. You're always going to lose against a crazy person. The only Eitzah is, get out, of the, get out of the craziness for that moment. For a few seconds, get out of the craziness. And then once you become sane again, and once you get rid of that Rakhstos, then you'll be able to overcome. And his Eitzah was a very Pashta Eitzah. When you're involved, it, when, you're invo- when you get angry, set up before that. Every time I'm going to get angry, I'm going to say a certain Pasuk or a certain Maimah Chazal. His example is What happens when you do that? When you do that, you're getting out of the out of the out of the rukshtos. You're getting out of the craziness. You're putting yourself into a sane place as you're saying that Maimar Chazal, because that's that's something very sane to do. That's totally it's nothing to do with the fight that you're in. And then once you pull yourself out of the mitzvahs of the rukshtos, then you're able to suddenly take a deep breath. And then you're able to go back in and say, wait a second, let's, let's back up three steps in the conversation. Let's try to have this conversation in a way that's going to be healthy, productive, in a way that we can both give our opinions without actually both losing ourselves and not getting anywhere in the conversation. And that's a very, very basic Eitzah, the, the, the Rablebele Eger, which the said was yesterday, Chav Be'i Shva, writes that in, in, in the first, in the first Debra that the Marshim told us, I'm sorry, the first tziva that Hashem gave us, you find, both of the, you find both of these concepts. He writes that if a person tries to only work on the aspect of sur just getting rid of evil, but doesn't put in its place something good, 
person's going to fail. It doesn't work. You can't just have the Indian of Surmeira without an Asetayv. You can't just say, okay, don't do that Avera, because the Rakshtos, and the Rakshtos is there, and the Rakshtos wants something. Just saying, don't do something is not going to get you anywhere. The only way to do it is this two-pronged strategy. First of all, the Surmeira. First of all, okay, I have to get out of the, the, out of the place, which he's saying a person needs to do before the Nisayan, the recognition of the fact that this is Ra, and Oyevay Hashem Sinu Ra, I don't want this. And then the second part is the Asetayv. The second part is fill yourself up with something which is actually toy. Fill yourself up with the Maimah Chazal. Fill, you, fill yourself up with something which is not connected to the Ra, something which is different, and maybe you'll be able to get, get, get out of that place of Shtos. He says, that's, a, that's the Asi Toiv. That's I am Hashem, your God. That's the Metzias of Einoid Mavadai. The whole world is filled with the Rosh Hashem. That's the Metzias of Anoich Yavai Lekecha. But Hashem says, you also need you also need a Sormeira. You need a Sormeira and Asitayv, right? In the, in the, in the Dibris and Chavis, the Sarsa the Dibris is Zachar and Shamar. Zachar means that I'm going to be involved in the world of Asitayv. Zachar means Zachrael Ayayim. I'm involved in the positive aspects of making Shabbos, Shabbos. Shomer means I'm involved in the I'm involved in making sure that Shabbos doesn't look like the six days of the week. I'm making sure that I'm Shomer Shabbos from having from having a void of Chalana. And you need both of these, Shomer and Zachar. He says that's why he doesn't say because you're trying to bring it a point. Hashem's telling us you know how to get to the place of you know how you make sure that Hashem is really your Hashem with two parts. First, and then and then you have to get out of the world of Mitzrayim. Right? You know, the, the, the muscle that, that they give is if a person's an addict and a person's, a person's you know, addicted to a certain substance or a certain behavior, if a person just works on getting rid of the behavior alone, it's very, very difficult, if not almost impossible, to just get rid of it. Because you're just working on the surmeira, but there's no asetayf to fill it. There's nothing else that's filling that void, right? Those, those, those that have tried to break smoke, you know, get out of the habit of smoking. If you don't fill that time or that space or that, that longing that a person has for the cigarettes, for the nicotine, or for the social aspect of smoking, if you don't fill it with something else, so you can just, you're just fighting a rakhshtos. You're always saying, don't smoke, don't smoke, it's bad for you, I know it's unhealthy. All of that's all good, but you need to also have that part of Asetayv. And therefore, you have the Metzius of, I know that this is bad for me, I know this is not something I want, I know this is not healthy, I know this is not good, I know my wife doesn't like it, etc. Okay, that's part of it, that's a Sumerah. And then also the Asetayv, then filling that space with something else. And we told us when it comes to Midas rice, we need to do the same thing. We need to work on the recognition of why it's Ra, and come to the place of Ayav Hashem Sinra, to hate that Midah, to say, I don't want to be that kind of person who's getting angry, he's falling to my Taivas, I don't want to be the kind of person who is jealous. I don't want to be that person. And then also when we get involved in the Nisayim, the actual Rakshtus, to try to fill it with something else, to try to utilize that space to get out of the Rakshtus, fill ourselves with something which is healthy, and then we're able to say, okay, wait a second, I'm not crazy anymore. I'm not fighting a crazy person. I'm now sane for those few seconds that I said, Tana Develi, yo. I'm now sane, and now I have the ability to be able to be involved in actually overcoming my Nisayim properly. That's what he said when it comes to the Indian of, of Kas. And again, as we said, this is for every midirah that a person has, is using this strategy of understanding before you, and then deciding why it's bad for you, understanding why you don't want it, and then also, when you're involved in it, trying to figure out practical eights how to get over it. And it brings one more, one, more, uh, one more example of something that a person struggles with, and he brings a practical example of how to overcome it, and then we'll finish Mitzvah Shem, the ninth parak. He says, Let's say we have a deep-rooted sinner on somebody, one of your friends. And you want to get rid of it, but you can't get rid of it. You really feel sinner towards the person. It says, You should love everybody, but I don't love the guy because of either things that he's done, because of things that I think that he's done, or because of his personality. I don't love this person. I have a sinner. I have a deep-rooted hate 
towards the person. And I want to get rid of it because I know that it's not healthy. It's not healthy for me to have hate. It's not healthy for me to hold on to those feelings of hate. And also, I would like to have a relationship with the person. And also, it's a, it's a, a pasuk in the Torah, v'afta recha kamaycha. I want to actually be makayim, be makayim, v'afta recha kamaycha. I want to actually love the person. And I'm trying to get rid of those feelings of sinna, but it's not really working. What happens is, when you actually hate a person, when you actually don't like a person, automatically, the only thing you're able to see about the person is all of his faults. Every, every time you look at the guy, you just say, oh my gosh, now the guy's doing this and this. And if your friend would do the exact same things, you'd have no issue with it. But all, when you look at a person that you don't like or that you have a sin towards, all you can see is the bad aspects of them, right? They talk about when a, you know, before a person gets married and a person's engaged to, engaged, engaged to his kala. The only thing you can see about his kala is only be this tevis, right? You'd only see good, right? And say, oh, she has this chasar and this chasar. And say, ah, come on, yeah, but who cares? It's, it's, you know, it's really not a big deal. It's not something that bothers me. It's, 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 no, it's nothing. It doesn't really doesn't mean anything. Because when you really love a person, when you're really infatuated by a person, you don't see anything. You don't see anything raw about them. A- anything raw that there is, you tie up as being tough. And the flip side, when a person doesn't like somebody, right? A- anything. A person's going out with a girl and decides, to, you know, decides he wants to break up with the girl. He wants to he wants to dump the girl. Going on five dates and he's over with it. So the the shadchan could sit there and convince you about all the this tayvus and you'd be like. It's not really a midatayva, it's really something which is ra, even though it seems like a midatayva, I think she does it too much, it's unhealthy, she's very nice and giving, yeah, I think she's too nice, I think she's too giving, she's very friendly, I think she's too friendly, it's not gonna be healthy for the, anything you see about the person, you could just touch up as being ra, right? If you like a person, everything you see, you touch up as being taiv, if you don't like a person, everything you see, you touch up as ra. So you have this person that you don't like, or you, or you have more of even, he's saying a sinek fush, you have a deep-rooted hate, a deep-rooted hate towards the person. And everything you see about the person is just agitating you. Everything you see about the person is driving, is just grating on your nerves. And you say, I can't love this person. The only way you can really be able to look at the person properly is you have to get rid of the hate. And then look at the person. If you're able to look at the person from a healthy place where there is no hate, you'll be able to see that the guy is not any worse than you. It's not any worse than anybody else you like. And you'll see that he doesn't really have chesreinus. But, but you want to get to the place of getting rid of the hate, which means he doesn't really have chesreinus. The people that we don't like, that we think have so many, so many challenges towards liking them, they're not real challenges because most of the challenges are just challenges that we create because we don't like the person. And therefore we can list 500 reasons why the person, it, we have good, valid reasons to hate the person. The truth is those 500 reasons by anybody else would not be a valid reason. So the only way to really be able to look at the person properly is to get rid of the hate. The issue is you can't get rid of the hate because you want to get rid of the hate, but it's been sitting and percolating inside of you for 10, 20 years. And therefore you can't get rid of it. So what should you do? He says, us is ice, yeah? Another eight. And again, he's just bringing us some practical eights so that we should know that whenever we're dealing with a midera, whenever we're dealing with a challenge, we have to think about practically how to get rid of it, which means we got to the first stage where we don't want to be angry at the person. We, we, we recognize logically it's not healthy to hate the person, but now practically figure out an Eitzah. This is the Eitzah that he gives. Yeah, it's an interesting Eitzah, but it, it's, uh, he writes that it works. It's Take down a paper and write a letter to the guy. Take out a paper and write a letter to your enemy. Don't, don't send it to the guy. Don't mail it to him. Write everything you really feel about the guy. Dear Mr. Whatever, I just want to let you know how much I hate you. I want to let you know you're a terrible person. Here are the reasons why I hate you. Here are the terrible things that you've done to me. You've been insensitive to me. Anytime I even tried to make peace with you, you, sla- you slammed the door in my face. You're a terrible person. You're horrible. Nobody likes your wife and kids. But, write everything you re- Bring it all out. Put it down on a piece of paper. Write down a long letter. It take as many, many days as it needs to write a letter explaining why you have a real valid reason to hate the guy and why the person's a terrible person. 
Write it all. Don't send it to the guy. Obviously, it's not part of the eight. So don't send it to the guy. Now what he says is, okay, now you wrote the whole letter, right? And really don't, don't hold back, right? Don't hold back anything, right? Every feeling that you feel about this guy, every reason why you hate this person, right? Everything on a piece of paper. Every day, take out the piece of paper and read, the, read through the letter out loud. Read through the letter. And imagine, you're, imagine him standing opposite you. Imagine you're reading him the letter. Yeah, so you imagine you're standing opposite your enemy and reading the letter to him, all the reasons why you hate him and why he's a terrible person. He says, if you do this for a few days in a row, he says, it's for sure. Yeah, you do this for two, three days and you start screaming at the guy. But part of what happens when you're angry at a person and you scream at the person is it's very validating for you because now you actually validated the feelings that you have and the reasons why you hate him. You got them out and you were able to tell the guy why you hate him. Do this, just not in front of the guy. Do this in front of a mirror. Do this in front of making believe. Imagine, really, imagine that the guy's standing in front of you and write this all down and read it out as if you're reading it to him. Imagine that you're reading him this letter Say here, I wrote, a, I wrote a list of the 500 reasons why you're a terrible person. And read it with all the anger that you really felt when you wrote the letter. Read it again and again. He says, if you do this day in, day out, slowly you'll become validated in those feelings. So slowly those feelings will start to feel like, okay, they had the ability to be able to express themselves. And slowly the, the anger will dissipate, slowly you'll be able to, I got over it. Why? Because instead, instead of me confronting him and telling him this to him, I did it in a way which was able to get it out of myself without actually telling it to him. And slowly but surely, he says, the anger will dissipate. And he says, if you're more of a bal nefesh, you'll actually want to be mephais to the guy. You'll actually want to actually apologize to the guy. And you come to the guy after like three weeks and he comes and say, I want to apologize. And you come to him, really? And the guy's like, what happened? And you say, whatever. Oh, are you things that I just thought about it properly. And I think that, you know, I think that a lot of the thoughts that I have feelings I had about you weren't really true. And be able to get it off. Because what happens is, he says, al the same as Don't think, right? Don't think about this Asa and say, oi shekari, right? And it's like, hey, it's very nice. It sounds like a nice thing, but it's not really going to work. Oi You're going to say one of two things. Either it's sheker, it's not going to work. Or, no, it's something which is silly. You're just like, you're just trying to like make believe that you're, that you, but it's not, it's not real. It says, Is it possible that by writing why I hate him and reading the reasons why I hate him every day, I'm going to come to love the guy? It doesn't make any sense. He says, It's not some sort of magic and it's not sheker. He says, The metzias of the nefesh of a person and the, the one who probably talks more probably than any of the swarm over the past, I don't know, maybe two, two three hundred years about the, the metzias of the nefesh of a person and understanding the psyche of a person is a piyatsesa. Now, in this sefer, if we get to the next sefer, which is called Achshar Savrechem, which is a sefer on top of Tzav, on top of, uh, this is the Talmudim, written for 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 all the swarm, really, you can see, he was, it was a, uh, top, you know, mamish, a top-notch psychologist, really understanding the psyche of people. So he says, it's a metzias of the psyche, of the psychological, you know, aspect of the nefesh. He says, When you scream at a person that you hate, actually screaming at the guy to his face, you, you feel a little bit better. Yeah, a guy, a guy, guy hits your car and you come out and you scream at the guy. What happens after you scream at the guy and you give it to him over the head? You feel a little bit better. Like your anger dissipates a little bit because I got it out. It was on my chest that day. I'm mad at the guy that hit my car. Now I got it out. I scream at him. I got it out. He says, he brings out from different swarm, the shame, the alshech, that it's, it's first like this in the Pesukim. What happens? What happens is when I scream at the guy, so now I feel a little bit better. What happens when I scream at the guy is the guy screams at me back, right? Because I scream at him, so I feel better, and he also wants to feel better. So he starts screaming back at me. Now when he starts screaming back at me, now he's screaming back at me, he's telling me the reasons why I'm wrong, 
So now instead of both of us feeling good and the conversation ending, I now have to respond to all of the, all of the anger that he just threw at me. I have to respond to all the accusations he now threw at me, so now I have to go back at him and I have to now become more angry. And then I have to now get that I was at a level five and I got rid of my level five by screaming at him. Now he screamed back at me, now I'm at a level seven. Now I need to, now I need to do this again. I need to scream again to get rid of my level seven anger. And then he screams back at me and it's just, it's a, we're running around in circles till one of us just gives up or one of us beats the other guy and then you know, the fight ends, right? But something's gonna have to, have to, have to happen because we're just running around in circles. I feel better, he feels better, but then I feel worse and then he feels, it's just going again and again. But but by you, by writing this letter down, when you're writing the letter and you're following the, the act of screaming at him without giving him the space to scream back at you, so what you're doing is you're just getting rid of the anger from, from, from inside of you without actually being able to build up the anger. I remember I was with my brother one time. We were driving and I was like a little kid. I just remember this very clearly. And, and we were backing up like into a spot. And the guy behind us was like getting very angry, getting too close to his car or something. It's like beeping and beeping and screaming. It's like my brother went over to his car. He started like yelling at my brother. My brother said, okay, I'm very sorry. I apologize. And the guy just like stopped. The guy just stopped. Like everything, just, he didn't know what to say. Like his expectation was my brother's gonna scream back at him. Like I didn't touch your car. What do you want from me? I'm not bothered. My brother just said like, you're right. I'm very sorry. And, and, every, and the conversation ended. And he said, okay, great. Have a great day. Because he's expecting my brother to get, to get angry back and then his anger grows. As soon as my brother just apologized and said, you're right, I'm sorry, then he was good. He, just, he was angry at my brother for the fact that he backed up near his car and he, was, he, he got his anger out and my brother let him give him the space. My brother made believe he wasn't there, you know, made believe he was like the guy we didn't let it to. And he said, okay, you're right, I'm sorry. And he moved on and everybody moved on and everybody was happy. So if we can do that without actually screaming at the guy, because most people when you scream at them won't be as nice as my brother was being to this random guy. So most people, especially when there's emotional involvement, it's easy for my brother to be nice to the random stranger in the car behind him. It's a lot harder when it's somebody that you actually have a relationship with. So as soon as I'm able to write the letter and get my feelings out, and that's why writing it and reading it the Mamela, a lot of the anger is able to dissipate. And it might not happen in one day, it might happen in a week, it might take two weeks, but slowly, over time, I'll be able to get it out without having the, the backlash of the person screaming back at me. The first day you read a little bit, you feel a little bit more validated, you feel like I got the anger out. The second day, a little bit more. I got a little bit smaller. And then as you're reading all the terrible curses you wrote about him on the first day, you start, you're like, really? I don't know. He's so bad. Like, I, I, I mamish cursed the guy out on a piece of paper. By the time you get to the second day, you're already feeling like a little bit stupid about how angry, how angry you are at the person. Like, you're writing mamish the worst things in the world about him because when you wrote it, you wrote it from a place of rage. But then once the second day you come to read it, it's like nine o'clock after read the paper and after like try to build up, you know, the feelings inside of myself of anger, which some of them are still lying dormant inside of me. And I read them and then I'm like, I don't know if it's that bad. I'm like, maybe I could cross out this word. Like, maybe it's a little bit going overboard when I said that he's like the worst person that ever worked on the planet. He's like Hitler. Like, maybe that's a little bit overboard. Yeah, I cross out those few lines that said, you know, compared him to a Nazi. Like, I think that was a little much, right? So, so slowly I start recognizing day number two, when I'm not as angry, I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know what Kol Kaks or Zulim could do from a Haruf and Karasei. I cursed him out so terribly. I can't read it with the same rage as I read it yesterday. But nevertheless, you're on yourself You're You have to read it every day until you get rid of it. You're going to read it every day. So even though you don't feel that same feeling, read it again 
Now read it and read it in the same way because you still have some anger. Force yourself to read the letter on the second day as well. It comes to the third day already. It's read a little bit quieter. I can't read this. This is like, I can't even believe that I wrote this. I'm embarrassed of the fact that I wrote this letter. If anybody would walk in now and would hear me screaming at the guy, I would be, I would be mortified. Like, yeah, three days ago I felt this anger, but after reading it for two days and, and getting it off my chest, I don't feel the same way and I say I can't do it. I already, feel, I already, I already have a little charata. Like, I'm going so far. I say, you know what, the guy's really not such a terrible guy. Let me figure out ways that I'm able to get back, to, re- to reconcile with him, to be able to get, you know, get back to becoming friends again. Somebody who's a little bit, little bit more of a baltoiv, his lave will start to melt a little bit easier. Somebody who's a little bit more harsh and, and hard-hearted will take a little bit longer to read him. This is a push the etza to get rid of anger. Write it down, read it slowly. Day in, day out, and make sure they make this like as a chayp, they can read it every day until you really feel they get rid of those feelings. It says it will work for everybody. It says, first of all, only do it, you know, occasionally. Don't do this too often. It's probably not a very healthy thing to do if you feel such anger towards so many people. Make sure very, very much, make sure it doesn't get lost. Right? That's the worst. If this paper gets lost, especially after you've read it, reading it for a week and you don't feel angry, that's make sure that doesn't have a layer of layers. Even don't show it to your very, very close friends. Make sure nobody sees it except you. What's going to happen is if the word gets back to the guy that you wrote a letter about him and you're reading this, right, he's only going to get more angry at you and then you're going to get back stuck in that cycle of unhealthy fighting. That's what he says. That's an eight. Huh? You have to write a new letter, yeah, exactly. That's all, that's all the things. He says, He says, you can figure out practical etzes for any challenge that you deal with. Again, you have to get to the place that you want the practical etzes, that you recognize that I don't want to be involved in this behavior, it's not good for me, and then you have to figure out, okay, practically, and you can talk this over with people, what etzes, what good etzes are there? He says, he gives one last mashal, and then he finishes the parak. Let's say you have a hard time getting up in the morning, right? Some of us deal with this challenge. It's difficult to get up. You know why? You love sleeping. Yeah, you love sleeping. Right? Somebody told me yesterday, he says, Shabbat, he keeps Shabbos to the highest degree. Shina B'Shabbos tiny, like that for him. Imamish is Machabat Shabbos to the greatest. Sleeps like a bagel on Friday night, especially now in the winter. Then Shabbos day, he's tired from sleeping so much. He has to sleep another two, three hours after the Suda. He doesn't go to Kiddush. He eats a Suda right away at 11, 11, 11, 12. By 12 o'clock, it's over. It's until 5 o'clock Mincha. You know, I told him, I said, it's a big serious nefesh, because you probably want to also like, go to Kiddush, you probably want to go to an Oinig, you probably want to go to a Suda, a Davening. It's much moister nefesh, they go to sleep. It's real, it's real, it's real serious nefesh. But some people tackle love sleeping. They're not doing lots of serious nefesh. Some people love sleeping. Or maybe you worked very hard the day before and you went to Hassan the night before and you're very tired. And you say, it's going to be very hard for me to get up and get, get out of bed tomorrow. I normally get up at 7 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, at 6 o'clock. It's going to be very hard for me to get up the regular time, either because I know naturally I'm lazy and I love sleeping, or because I'm very tired because I went to a wedding last night. He says you can do the following Eitzah. Yeah. Don't lie on the length of your bed, lie on the width of your bed. And put a cheer at the end of your bed, so lie on your bed. Towards the width of your bed, towards the width of your bed, if instead of your feet being at the edge of your bed, your feet are on a chair. It could be a comfortable chair, but they're on a chair. In the morning when you wake up, kick the chair away, 
You're already standing on the floor. It's so much easier. It's supposed to getting out of bed. You're halfway out of bed already. Already lying with your feet on the ground. There's just a chair there. Right away, as soon as you get up, kick the chair away, and then your feet are already on the ground. Now you're already sitting up. This is like you're 60% of the way through. <laughs> you're 60% of the way through. Make sure this is not harmful to your health. I'm not sure if he means because you need to sleep, you, you know, you're not sleeping enough or he means that you're going to fall off the bed. I'm not sure what he means. Make sure that you're not too tired the whole day because you didn't sleep properly, which means if putting your feet at the end of the bed are going to make that you're not going to have a good night's sleep the whole night because you want to get up, that's also not good. That's not a good eight. Don't need to do that more than twice a week. If you're doing this every night, that means you got to figure out a better eight. So this is like a one-time thing. You want to sleep very late the night before. It must be very hard. Okay, one-time eight. Figure out, a, figure out something practical. Okay, maybe this Eitzah, maybe not everybody loves. Maybe it's not so, it's a very, very difficult Eitzah, but the Eitzah for sure we gave before about Kasa and about Sina are definitely very practical Eitzahs. And what he, the point is, he's telling us this, it can happen with every Midotayva. Everything we challenge, we need to go in with this two, two-pronged strategy. First of all, to recognize why we don't want it, why it's not good for us, why we want to get rid of it before the Nisayan, and then also figuring out practical Eitzahs, how to get over the Nisayan, what to do when we're ready in the Nisayan, when we hate the guy, when we're mad at the guy, when we, when we want to sleep, what to do practically that can get us out of it. Everyone has their own eights. Some people works, you know, giving themselves incentives. If I, you know, if I come to davening for a week in a row, you know, I'll buy myself something, you know, something nice. I'll buy myself something that I wouldn't buy otherwise. Some people works better, you know, giving, giving, everyone has to figure out whatever works for them, whatever practical eights work for them. Get your friend to wake you up to call you, but something practical, but that's the only way it's going to happen. And that's what he says. These are all practical eights. How to be able to do it. And Mr. Shem, Avada, that Avada. And Mr. Shem will get to in the next parak. He's going to say how to be mahapech, the midas rois, lama How to take all those natural bad midas we have and to be able to turn them all into the world of art. Shukar.